0: Listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winterhaven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. It came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish. And the fish were hungry. Week after week and month after month and year after year, those who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish. The abundance of fish and how they might go about Fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defended fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing is always to be a primary task of the fisherman. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. They love slogans such as fishing is the task of every fisherman. They sponsored special meetings called Fishermen's Campaigns and the Month for Fishermen's to Fish. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing and to promote fishing and hear about all the ways of fishing, such as the new fishing equipment, fishing calls and whether any new bait had been discovered these fishermen built large beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters the plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish one thing they didn't do however they didn't fish Now, if you take that and you couple it with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 19, when he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And you add to that what he said just prior to his ascending back to, to glory at the right hand of his father in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, a very, very familiar verse Of scripture around here when he says go and make disciples of all nations baptize them in the name of the father son the holy spirit and teach them everything that i've commanded you and i'll be with you all the way to the end of the age and around here we boil all of that down to two words that we say are reach and teach you couple all that together with that story, you'll recognize that we as a church, you say, you're just talking about just us as a local church? Well, yes, but the church overall does a lot of talking about making disciples. But we don't do a whole lot of making disciples. Now, I'm going to argue that disciple making as a general rule, does not happen in here, meaning in the walls of this building. Now, in fairness, there are some things that happen in this building that are, that are very connected to discipleship. But I would say for the most part, discipleship happens outside of these walls if it's going to happen. We talk a lot about fishing and never get around to fishing. So, for the last four weeks, while I've been in the back, you've had an opportunity to hear from some partner ministries that we partner with for the purpose, for the mission for which God has called us, and that is to reach and teach, make disciples. So it wasn't just a random bunch of folks that have come and shared. It's actually showing you entities out there that we have decided, hey, let's partner with them in what they're doing specifically out there so that we might have a venue for those of us going, well, I don't know how to make this. I don't know where to go to make this. I don't really know how to. They're doing a great job of that out there and to help us to engage in something that we need to learn how to do so that we can fish in every avenue of our lives, whether it be work, home, school, play, or even the random folks we sit next to at a concert, a ball game, wherever that may be. So you've heard from some folks, and we're going to talk about those folks. But as a way to get to that, I'm going to look to 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 2 Timothy. And and while we're on that, let me just go ahead and tell you. Next week, we're going to start a series in Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. We're going to go through the book of Ephesians. and The book of Ephesians breaks into two parts. The first three chapters are about our life in Christ. As followers of Jesus, our life in Christ. And then the last three chapters, chapter 4, 5, and 6, actually talk about Christ's life in us. So we get to learn about who we are in Christ, and then we get to learn how we are to let Christ live through us. So I hope that you will be here next week for the start of ephesians but as a secondary challenge here's what i'd like to challenge you to do let's make the book of ephesians a paper copy bible series and you're going Whoa, wait 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 my bible's digital and i read it every day okay that's cool that's cool but just i don't know give me a little leeway Let's let's all for the next series go find our paper copy of the Bible and let's bring it with us to church on Sunday. I may or may not force that issue by turning off the cheat sheets. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Let's do that. And to make it even more fun, because we're already having fun even thinking about Ephesians, let's make it more fun. Let's do this. Let's commit... To being here every week of the series of Ephesians. You say, Pastor Kevin, what if I get diagnosed with coronavirus? <laughs> stay home. In fact, in fact, even if you got the stomach flu and all that indicate, you just go on ahead and stay at the house, listen online. That's okay. We don't want to, to participate in what you have. But otherwise. Let's just go ahead and decide. You know what we're going to do? We're going to put this on our calendar, and we're going to be here every week. And, and if you see somebody that you know that's not here, you need to call them up and say, hey, Pastor Kevin threw down the gauntlet. He said, bring your Bible next series and be here every week. Okay, so y'all going to do that for me as we get started. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul gives Timothy some reminders. Paul is in prison. Paul is expecting that he is about to be killed very soon as a, as a response to his refusal to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And Paul was intent on taking the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever men and women had not heard it. And that really upset the Roman officials, specifically the Roman emperor at the time, whose name was Nero. And so Paul was stirring up trouble for himself, but he was refusing to stop proclaiming Jesus crucified in our place and for our sins, buried and raised victorious in providing salvation and forgiveness for all who will by faith put their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And Paul was unwilling to stop, and so therefore he was in a jail cell with every expectation that it be death row. And so he wrote to Timothy and he's encouraging him. One of the things that he's writing is that, Timothy, if you could come see me, I would really appreciate that because this might be the last time that I get to see you because it sounds like it's curtains for me. But I think Paul laid out some things early on to just encourage this brother just in case he never saw him again. And one of those is the reminder that we need to give ourselves of what our calling is. It's to be, made, be, out, making, uh, be out fishing for men, making disciples, continuing the mission that Jesus left us before he ascended into glory. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, we'll begin reading verse number 3. Paul says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors, With a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. He's thinking about Timothy. He's remembering him, and he's constantly calling Timothy's name out to the Lord because he cares about him, and he knows how difficult it's going to be for Timothy because of how difficult it has been for him. If Timothy stays true to the message, then he's likely going to face the same kind of opposition that Paul is facing, and so he's praying for him night and day as I remember your tears thinking about probably the last time Timothy saw Paul as he was being taken away in in Roman cuffs or maybe as he was leaving and thinking I might not ever see him again and he says I remember your tears for me and I think about that often how close we were Timothy very likely came to know Christ under Paul's ministry on his first missionary journey through his hometown of Lystra. You would find that account in Acts chapter number 14. And then in Acts chapter number 16, when Paul comes back through on his second missionary journey, and Timothy has grown in the Lord, he has come to a greater understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, Messiah, the crucified and risen one, Paul invites Timothy to travel with him. And so Timothy becomes this little apprentice, if you will. And they've spent a lot of time together and Paul's invested a lot of trust in Timothy because of Timothy's faithfulness, because of Timothy's dedication to the message and because of his dedication and loyalty to Paul himself. He said, man, I I remember how you cried when we separated that last time. I long to see you, Timothy, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy's faith was not split between his own endeavors and the endeavors of the mission. I wonder how many of us could be described as sincere followers of Jesus. Not based on what we say, not based on how we sing, not based on the stickers on our car or the messages on our t-shirt or the station of our radio or the content of the books and things in our house, the decorations, but on the basis of how our life is focused toward the mission of Jesus to make disciples. I wonder how many of us could be classified as those of sincere faith. But Paul said, Timothy, I've just seen it over and over. And I just, I want to see you again because I just, I need some encouragement, brother. And I'd love to, and I, I pray for you. And then he goes through over the next few verses and gives Timothy some reminders. Now I want to bring these to your attention. Verse number six, first. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I want to remind you, Timothy, you need to fan into flame this gift that God has given you. Now, Timothy was a follower of Jesus. Timothy was sincere in his faith. But now, what Paul is saying is Timothy, your fire needs attention. Now, William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, said these words The tendency of fire is to go out. Watch the fire of your heart. Anyone who has tended a fireplace fire knows that it needs to be stirred up occasionally. If you like a fire pit, you know that you can't just put the logs in there and set it occasionally. You have to stir that thing. And if you have any teenagers, you know that you're not lacking in someone willing to stir the fire. But you know it needs to be poked. It needs to be moved around so that it continues to burn with the kind of heat that you want to enjoy. Because if you don't, it will go out. That's the nature of the fire. And so what Paul says is, Timothy, I'm about to go and I just need you to understand this. You are going to have to fan the flame of the fire that is the gift of God in you. Now, what is this gift? I think that it represents those grace gifts those spiritual endowments that God gives us when we come into the family of God by faith the book of Romans the book of first Corinthians Ephesians we'll hit that in our series the book of first Peter talks about these grace gifts these abilities that God has given us so that we can use them to build one another up And so we can use them to further the message of the gospel. And What Paul's reminding Timothy is if you don't fan that fire, it will go out. Not that you won't be a Christian anymore. Not that you're no longer a follower of Jesus. But your passion for the mission will go out if you don't fan this flame. We must exercise what God has given us for the furtherance of the gospel. And here's my question. How many of you in the room know, if you're a follower of Jesus, how many of you Christians know what your spiritual gift is or have an idea of what I think God has gifted me with? How many of you know what that is? And if you're sitting here going, I don't know, I think my spiritual gift is eating because I do that real well. Speeding? God gave me the spiritual gift to speed. I do that? No, no, no. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is or if you've never been shown how to seek through God's Word to begin to discover how God has gifted and equipped you to continue the mission that He's called you to, we can help you. And we'd love to be able to have you. That's not what this lesson is about. But if you're sitting here today and you know Jesus as Savior and you call Oasis Church your church and you don't know what you're... Like if I were to ask you... You got any idea what your spiritual gift is? And if you're not able to go, you know what, I think it's either blank or blank. If, you if you're not able to do that, you need to tell me so that I can connect you with a lesson that will help lead you through the scriptures and to begin to discover that. Because until you know what your spiritual gift is, you're not going to be able to exercise it in the mission that God's called you to. So we can help you. But this is what Timothy, he's telling fan it. You've got to stir it because if you don't, it will go out. And then he leads on here that says, uh, for this reason, I remind you, the flan, the flame, which is uh, in you through, which is a gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, the idea that Paul is saying is that, that remember, Timothy, you got this gift. It was, it was from God. And, and, and when we laid our hands on you, then, then, then God endowed that. I don't think that this was given to Timothy because of the laying on of the hand. The gift came from God, but certainly the laying on of the hands of the body was was that symbol of you're one of us. The spirit we received, you ref- if you trust, if you're authentic, if your faith is real, then you're receiving the same spirit we're receiving and God has gifted you, Timothy. Do you realize that? He said, "I need you to understand. We began talking about how obviously God's gifted you, which is another thing we can't go really into, but you you might think you know what your gift is and maybe the rest of the body might go, yeah, that's not what your gift is. Went to seminary with a lot of guys who thought God had called them to preach. Now, maybe he called them to pastor, but I can tell you, I don't know that God called them to preach because, I mean, it was bad. Some of them we listened to was just like, wow, have you ever spoke out loud in a group of people before? I mean, it just wasn't, that didn't mean that they weren't going to learn how, but I'm just saying there's a lot of folks that think, I think, uh, I think my spiritual gift is exhortation. And I'm about to tell you what I think about what you're doing. That don't mean that's from God. It could just mean you're a busybody and you want to talk into everybody's life. The body helps. And I think that's what Paul is doing. We laid our hands on you, Timothy. And we said, Hey, we see what God is doing in you. And we want to confirm what God is doing in you, but you got to fan it. You got to fan it. I remember, I remember an old pastor friend. He was my pastor, but he was my friend. It was like a granddaddy to me. And, and he looked I was a little kid, I was about 12, 13 years old. And he looked at me and he said, Kevin, I think God's gonna use you to preach. And I remember thinking, Why? That's silly. Yeah, but, but he just recognized something. And here's the thing. I tried to do a whole lot of different things than this. I tried them out, and some of them I just plain stunk at, but pretended real good, you know? What God calls you to do, you got to fan. You got to take it and run. I need to remind you of this, he says. But he goes on. Verse number seven. For the Lord gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Timothy, if you'll fan the flame of that gift that God has given you for the furtherance of the gospel, I I need you to recognize that it's not on you and you alone to exercise the thing because God that gave it to you is going to give you the power, the love, and the self-control to do what he's called you to do he'll fuel that thing if you'll fan it you have a responsibility in this and he has a responsibility in this you fan the flame he'll provide the wood so he reminded him your fire timothy needs attention but then he goes on verse number eight therefore he gives him the second reminder therefore Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. The second thing he reminds him of is to be bold, saying there's nothing to be ashamed of. Be bold, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the message about the Lord. God is equipping us to be bold with the good news. And it seems as though, based on what Paul has already told Timothy in the first letter, 1 Timothy, it seems as though Timothy wrestles with timidity. He wrestles with, he's, he's a little shy, it seems. Doesn't want to be put out front. That's why when Paul goes, look, Timothy... Don't let anybody despise your youth. Not because he was a teenager. he's probably in his 30s. But based on that culture of, of the, the Jewish culture of teaching, they would have expected someone that was leading the group to be much older. And he said, Timothy, don't let anybody despise how young you are. Don't let anybody say, you can't do this because you're not old enough. You know why? Because God called you boy. And God equipped you, and God is fueling you, and don't you let anybody ever tell you. And don't you dare, he says here, don't you dare be ashamed of the message about Jesus. But then he goes on and says, nor of me his prisoner. So it seems logical that Timothy may have been wrestling with trying to be a little PC about the message of Jesus, political correctness. It goes all the way back to every society where we try to to walk softly on eggshells around those who might be able to make life difficult for us. It seems like Timothy might have been wrestling with being a little less bold about the gospel because look what happened to Paul. And and, and I'm associated with Paul, and now folks are looking at me going, "Are, are you the one we saw with Paul, that one in jail who's on death row? And you might be tempted to go... Well, I know him. I've done some trips with him. But, you know, Paul goes, look, you're going to face opposition because of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is going to turn the world against you because they turned against the Savior himself. They're going to be out to get you to defame you, to drag you down, to call you and label you any and everything they can to shut you up. Paul says, don't you dare be ashamed of the message. You've got to fan the flame of the gift that God has. You've got to fan that connection that you have to the mission of Jesus. And then don't you ever be ashamed. You be bold about, yes, Jesus did die why because we're sinners well I'm not a sinner and I don't know who you are to tell me I am I'm not telling you you are God says you are I'm just telling you what he said you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and Jesus the 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 one from Nazareth The guy who didn't have any pedigree as far as the the world system was concerned, yes, he was crucified and he rose from the dead as God's perfect sacrifice for the sin of those he created. And guess what? That one who rose from the dead has now ascended to the Father where he is now eternally. Don't you ever be ashamed of the gospel. I'm just telling you, If you're in college in the world today, if you're going to college in some time in the future and you're going into one of those institutions that that you need to go to in order to be and do the thing that God's called you to do, I get it, but you need to hear me. They'll try to make you ashamed of the gospel. Even, Even in our public school system, if you try to be a sincere follower of Jesus, They will eat your lunch. And you know what God says? Let them have it. Take the gospel. Let them have your lunch because I'll never let you go hungry. Let them have it. Stand up for me. They'll beat me up. Take it. Take it. Stand with Jesus. Don't ever be ashamed. He had to remind Timothy of this. You know, Jesus said in Luke and in Mark, if you're ashamed of me and my message, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of you. And that's a stern warning that we need to hear. If We're ashamed of him, it'd be ashamed of us. And that's in terms of faith. But you know what else God says? And these are great. In Hebrews 2.11, Jesus The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus, the crucified and risen king, is not ashamed to call you and me his brothers and sisters. Like when Jesus thinks about us as as followers of him by faith, he's not ashamed to look over there and go, oh, yeah, that's Stephen right there. That's my little brother. I love him. Oh, yeah, that's Mike Cannon. Yeah, Deputy Mike. Yeah, that's my little brother. He's not ashamed of us. And, and it gets even better. Well, maybe it gets even more. I don't know if it's better, it's more. Hebrews eleven sixteen 16 says that God the Father is not ashamed to be called our God. Where the Father says, oh, no, I'm not ashamed of none of mine. I'm, I'm tickled to be called their God. You know why? Because they're my people. They're my people redeemed by my grace. They're my people who have come into right relationship because of my love, because of of God the Son who stands in their place. Those are my people, and I'm proud to be called their God. So let us never be ashamed of the gospel. That's why Romans 1, 6, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. Timothy, your fire needs attention. You got to fan it. Timothy, be bold. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Number three, verse number eight. Uh, verse number eight, b. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the go- uh, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But do this: share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. "...who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and in which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality." Notice, he says, "...share in suffering." Why? Because God has demonstrated his intention for us in the person of Jesus who brought victory over death. He brought immortality where death and decay has reigned. You can share in the sufferings of the gospel. You can share in the sufferings of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has already taken care of the biggest hurdle for suffering for you and I and that's what if they kill me and Jesus says I done taken care of that I've destroyed death and I've brought immortality to light through the gospel for which I talking about Paul for which I was appointed a preacher can you believe that and an apostle are you kidding me and a teacher God has called me and is using me for those things which is why I suffer as I do because I preach and teach and show people the way of victory over death through the person of Christ. And so they've thrown me in jail and they're going to kill me. But I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced of this. That he, the one in whom I have believed, he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. What had been entrusted to Paul? Life. Breath. Forgiveness, the call to the mission, and gifts that will be fueled in the furtherance of the mission. And Paul goes, Hey, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the Lord because I'm convinced that the one that I've believed in is able to have full control over me until that day, whether it's tomorrow, that day when he returns, whether it's tomorrow or after they knock my head off, whether it's years into the future, I know that I've entrusted to him my life, my breath, my faith, and I know he's going to guard that, and no man can take it away from me, even though my head might be taken away from me. So Timothy... Share in suffering for the gospel. Now I'm gonna be real honest, and I know this might uh this might hurt your feelings. And if it does, I really am sorry because I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I wrote a few things down about this. Here's what I wrote: By comparison to those who suffer for the gospel, we are soft. I mean, compared to those who truly are facing great difficulty. I heard about a a pastor, I believe he's in Iran, that was just sentenced to years and years in prison. They're trying to get him out just just for teaching the Scripture, but they got him on some kind of espionage type thing. That guy is suffering. Read stories out of China Read stories out of North Korea of believers who have been tortured for their unwillingness to be ashamed of the gospel. Read an abridged version, because it's really hard to read, of Fox's Books of Martyrs, about those who have given their life in the most heinous and unimaginable ways, and then say to yourself, well, I'm just suffering for the God. No, you're not and neither am I. We're soft when it comes to suffering. Listen to this. We resist being inconvenienced for the gospel. We resist it. We whine about it. We grumble about it. What? I don't want to do that. I can't afford that. If I do that, then we won't be able to blah, blah, blah. We resist being inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel, we are not suffering. But Paul says, "Share in that suffering, so fan the flame. Don't be ashamed and embrace whatever suffering comes. to it. It's 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 like that, and you've seen in in movies. You've seen the the hordes are there, and they're coming against, and then that one couple of guys are you know they've got." barely enough to handle one or two and they step up against the hordes and they're just like come on Well, they're gonna run you over maybe so but i'm gonna take a couple of them right you know that's kind of the idea that we see in those films paul said just embrace the suffering just go on and hold on to it is that not what jesus did did jesus not have to look at the cross that was not of his deserving and say, I'm going to embrace the shame. I'm going to embrace the pain. For what purpose? You and me. And what right do we have to say, Lord, I want to accept you as my Savior and I want to go to be with you forever and I want everything and every benefit that that has to offer But if it's all the same to you, I'm going to stay at the house and just wait on you to come back. And I just tell you, that ain't the message of the gospel, but it is absolutely what we have made it. What's in it for me? And Paul goes, Timothy, just embrace that suffering. Just grab a hold to it and say the gospel and my Savior is worth whatever inconvenience... Whatever you bring my way. Involvement in the gospel comes with a great challenge. The Christian life is one of great freedom, joy, and promise within the framework of making disciples, within the framework of doing his thing and not my thing, even if it hurts. And Paul said to Timothy, and by extension, The Holy Spirit, who inspired Paul's words to Timothy, says to all believers, share in the suffering. Just go on ahead and embrace the way of suffering. But do it by the power of God. That's why the reminder is empowered suffering is the way. How is it that men and women stood bound to stakes while wood was being piled around them and fire being brought and jeers and mockings coming from the crowds as these people are about to be burned alive? How is it possible that they stood and proclaimed the gospel even as the flames were licking away? At their bodies. How is that possible? She says it right here. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Because I know you're thinking, Pastor Kevin, I can't do that. There's no way I'd be able to do what others have done and endured for the sake of Christ. And you know what? Neither could I but we're not doing it by ourselves. We're doing it through the presence and the power and the ability of the one who is in us. And I think it says that greater is he that is in us than anything else that's in the world. But you know what that's gonna take? being in that flame, not being ashamed, embracing the suffering We don't have time to go through all those other nuggets that are in all those verses. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Let them bring what they want. I'm gonna stand with Jesus. Then verse number 13. The fourth reminder that he gives him is to follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Stay true to the gospel, Timothy. Stay true to the true gospel, Timothy. Don't be ashamed. Embrace the suffering and keep faithful to the faithful words I've given you. Don't deviate from the message, don't try to make it easier to swallow. It's got to be this. We are sinners, enemies of God in need of forgiveness and justification and restoration. Two, Jesus Christ, God the Son, became human, lived perfect, died as our substitute, a sacrifice on the cross for our sin. Three. Jesus was raised from the dead victorious as Savior and Lord to all who will by faith believe. And then four, believers are called to order their lives by the gospel and proclaim the gospel message to others. Do not deviate from the true gospel. Timothy, you're going to have to fan the flame of your involvement. Timothy, you're going to have to not be ashamed of what could come because of the suffering and the things that are opposing you. Timothy, you're going to have to just embrace the suffering because of the gospel that you absolutely cannot deviate from. Lastly, Timothy, you got to guard the deposit that God's given you, verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, Timothy, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. We instinctively guard the things that are most important to us, do we not? What's, what's the most important thing to you? And now think about all the ways that you guard it, all the ways that you protect it. I mean, Nobody is leaving these things laying around, you know. We put, like, we we buy these things because of how sleek and how how, uh, uh, how seemingly indestructible they are. And then what do we do? We put these massive cases around them and screens because we want to what? We want to protect it. Why? Because it's valuable. Because I can't afford to buy another one. You know, we guard the things. We guard our families, put alarms on our homes. Why? Because we value our families. We put insurance on things. Why? Because we value them. Is there anything more important in the life of the Christian than his calling to represent Jesus and the gospel to others? Is there anything more important? Yet, we've let that fire go out. In fact, we've forgotten we even had to fire a pit out there. Timothy, there are going to be a lot of distractions, a lot. But you've got to guard it. You've got to protect it. Fan the flame. Don't be ashamed. Embrace the suffering. Stay true to the gospel and guard with everything you've got your connection to Christ and what he's called you to do. Now I've given some pieces of paper to some young men and what they're gonna do is they're gonna pass them out because I wanna show you a little application thing. So we'll let you do that right now. You're in the section that I want you to pass out. So let's, let's get them passed out as quickly as possible. As quickly as possible, we'll pass those things out. The last four weeks, you've heard instruction from different ministries in our community and what i've done is i've given you a list of those and i've given you the names and contacts and websites of all those folks engaged in those ministries <clears throat> first of all you'll see and some of these didn't come they couldn't or either there wasn't a person to do this the first one that you're going to see Is a reminder if you're a follower of Jesus, and and really, if you're visiting with us today, if this is your first time, look, I would love for you to find out how to be more involved with this. But I get if you're visiting, you're like, I didn't know it was going to be like this. That's okay. Just take that and see what we're saying. And if you'd like to be a part of who we are, then you can be a part of this too. The first one is: if you're a follower of Jesus at Oasis Church, I want to ask you a question: who's your one? If you don't have if you're a part of oasis church this is your church and you don't know what who's your one means then where were you then when we did those that series but i've got some materials back there on that backboard basically who's your one is an encouragement toward picking discovering praying over finding out who someone is in your circle that you're pretty sure is not a follower of jesus and then the Then the encouragement is you take that card, you write their name on it, you grab one of the 30-day prayer journals, and then you pray over that person for at least 30 days with the idea that I'm gonna share the God, not I'm gonna invite them to church, that's great and fine, but with the notion that I am committed, Lord, if you'll open up the opportunity, I'm going to share the true gospel with this person, and I'm going to invite them to trust Jesus by faith. It's just right there under the Hoosier your one stuff. Just grab one of all of those. And if you get one of all of those and you go, Pastor Kevin, I still don't know what to do. Then just come tell me and we'll walk through it and I'll walk you through and it'll be awesome when you have an opportunity to share. Some of us have one. I wonder how many of those have been forgotten since that series was preached. Let's pick it up. Who's your one? Then you heard from David and Arlene Berry at the mission. Uh, You've met Justin. He's also uh, the the daily director there. What do they do? They provide food. They provide hot meals. They provide groceries to those of our homeless. And what does that mean about me? Well, that's a place that you could fan your flame. That is a place where you could be involved and embrace the suffering. Let's back up. You could just embrace the inconvenience let's just do that you know like, I don't have time to go. just embrace the inconvenience maybe that's where your family could go and I've given you their contact information so that you could contact them and find out hey how could our family come and represent Jesus in that community uh, you heard from Sean Fielder with FX ministries the refuge he's listen You'll never call Sean and say, how can our family serve and be a part of FX? That phone call will not happen that he won't be able to tell you that day how you can be involved that day. But what would it look like if you got more involved? Not just in a giving of a check or a handing over of some clothes, but what if you were to find the refuge as a place to fan your flame? This heart with these two folks and that little nugget right there between those two folks represents Life Choice Pregnancy Center, providing hope for hurting, expecting mothers who are not sure that they can avoid abortion and Life Choice is showing them not only how to avoid that treacherous outcome, but how they can trust God with this new life they have. What a blessing Life Choice is. Sarah Chase and our own Sandy Griffin sits right over there. In fact, she's probably still got some t- uh, places at her table that could be filled for the uh, fundraiser that's coming up. Sandy would love to tell you how you could be a part of that free fundraiser. Learn more about Life Choice and how you could be involved and fan your flame, helping those, you would say, just women, uh uh-uh. uh, as fellas as well that need help that Life Choice is providing. And then, This last one really excites me. Heartland for children. Do you realize that there are 2,600 children in Polk County that have no home, that need services through the Florida child welfare system? At the time I talked with Heartland for children, there were 44 kids that were ready to be adopted by a loving family. I've been in contact with a lady by the name of Amber Doyle who has a means by which we as a church can be involved in helping meet the needs of those in the child welfare system in Florida. And can I tell you what we're going to do? We're going to figure out how to be a part of that because that is a mission field that we can wade out into right now if we will. Here's the cool thing. I need some help figuring that out. Chad's going to help me. He's already said, hey, we've talked about a part of this. Chad's like, count me in. I'm going to help. I wonder who else will help me figure out how Oasis Church can make gospel connections in the child welfare system. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut my ringer off. uh, Cut my ringer on um, 863-207-5960. You send me a text that says, I'm in. And I want to know. And if you got your phone right here with you and you want to go count me in, we'll let it ding. So, Heartland for Children, it's coming soon. Look, we got places to serve at Denison Middle School. We can figure it out. We got places I'm learning how we can take the gospel into Winter Haven High School. I'm just before being able to do that. Here's what here's I want to you Are you going to fan that flame? somebody's in did y'all hear that somebody's in are you going to be a part of fanning the flame you're going to be a part of 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 em- embracing the, the 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 suffering the inconvenience you're going to help us figure out how to get out there will look on the back of that it's called mission 12 24 i know i'm going long i ain't preached for a month y'all give me a little, little credit. Somebody go tell them to bring the kids out because I know what that's like back there when they go long. Go tell them to bring them out, whoever does that. Thanks, Scott. Tell them to line them up out here. I'll give them some room to run. <clears throat> Mission 12 what is that? That's just me trying to figure out a way to help you fan your flame, embrace the suffering, get back engaged, recognize your calling, and get out there where we're called to make disciples. Here's the idea. Somebody else. Uh, what if we decided this year to pick a ministry and just say, Lord, I'm going to give it a try. And I'm going I'm to commit to 12 hours this year, one hour a month. And you'd say, there's somebody else. David says, uh, hey, how much can you serve? You go, David, listen, I want to come to the mission. I can come once a month, give you about an hour just trying to figure out what that's going to look like. One, one, one hour a month. For the first year then the second year go okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna double it two hours a month so in the second year we're fanning our flame we're embracing the inconvenience we're out there holding true to the gospel we're guarding our deposit by getting it out there where it's supposed to be and we're two hours a month somewhere serving representing jesus and then that third year we double that 48 hours a year, that would be like one hour a week with a couple of weeks of vacation, or, or, or maybe it's a mission trip that you take for an extended Bottom line is you decide, you know what, Lord, I'm a fan of that. We, we, we love that you're here and we have places for you to serve that are here that help us do what we do to accomplish what's done here on a weekend or on Wednesday nights. But you know where the game is? out there the game is out there with the folks who have not yet heard what we've been entrusted with and here's what i believe i believe everybody who calls oasis church home i believe every follower of jesus at oasis church could be involved in some way making disciples out there And if your way is not on that paper, praise God. This is just an attempt to try to motivate us to get out there so that we don't go, well, I just don't know where I could serve. Right here. But if you've got a place, awesome. Tell me about it. Maybe some of the rest of us can be involved where you are. Bottom line is this is your reminder. This is your reminder. We've been called. Are we exercising? what God has given us to do. And next week, we'll look at Ephesians. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. Father, right now, where we're at, I pray that the one who's wondering, how is this even gonna be possible? I pray that you'll give them the courage to say, God, I don't know how, but I want to be involved in what you've called me to be. The one who's resisting right now, I ain't got time for this. I pray that you'll give him the courage just to say, God, I ain't got time for this. But if you'll show me a way. Father, I pray for that one who's eager. I know what the enemy will do. He'll, take, he'll try to steal that seed. I pray that you'll protect him so that they might stay true to what you're saying. They might move toward you regardless of the opposition as we wait on the return of your son. Father, I pray that you'll make us into a body that uh, is unwilling to stay in here but that is uh, determined to make disciples. Not just talk about it. Actually do it on a daily basis. Forgive us where we have talked about and not done. Prepare us for what's in store. God, I ask you to give us the courage to look for those opportunities even as we walk out today. We love you and we thank you. for in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it.